We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too bad. No, 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 no. If the Bucks do win it all, Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network Substack. Substack is a newsletter platform, typically written content. They do have a podcasting feature. This is not that. This is actually the narrated version of a story. I, Ty Windish, one of the hosts of the Eurostep here on the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast Network, wrote about Jordan Wara. So if you'd rather read this uh, article then listen to it. That's fine. You can go to the GSPN Substack. Everything there is free. You can find it where you find all GSPN goodness, of course, at gspn.info. You know, if you'd like to see anything written out, especially statistics, or there's a clip that I shared in here, feel free to go check it out on Substack. Subscribe for free. We really appreciate it. If you have not done that already, if you could do that, there's a lot of Bucks and Brewers content including heads up on podcasts and original work like this. So just wanted to try something and really share um, this this info on Jordan Wara with another audience. So this is me diving into the curious case of Jordan Wara. As you know, if you've been following the Bucks offseason, we end up bringing it up in most of our podcasts. Jordan Wara is currently sitting in NBA limbo, not technically a Milwaukee Buck at the moment, but very much tied to the franchise. So I'm going to walk through all of the options currently on the table after going through Wara's current situation as well. So Jordan Wara has not been signed by any team, but his qualifying offer is still extended. So he is tied to Milwaukee. What exactly is going on here? And what are the options for both sides from this point? It turns out fully explaining Wara's situation and options as a restricted free agent took more words and time than I thought. So if you're not interested in the deep dive, here's a quick abridged version. It seems likely there's one or more Wara suitors out there, given he's still chilling in restricted free agency and given John Horst comments on his situation, but he may end up having to wait until a Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell trade for said suitor to make their move 
and either sign and trade for him or sign him to an offer sheet. He could also sign the qualifying offer at any time to remain with the Bucks. So that's the quick version. If you want my full prediction, my specific bold prediction on how this will resolve for Wara, you've got to read slash listen all the way through. Now for the long version with all of the details. I want to start by publicly taking the L on predicting what would happen with Wara. My assumption before the offseason began was that if the Bucks successfully ran it back with their rotation players like they ended up doing this summer, Wara would be cut loose and allowed to sign elsewhere to pursue a bigger role that simply does not seem present for him in Milwaukee. Despite flashes of offensive brilliance and, of course, one of the best Bucks taunts of all time, uh, Jordan Wara was not an everyday player by the end of the 2021-22 season, despite getting more minutes than ever due to the flux of a short rest season for the Bucks that was also still impacted by COVID-19. Wara logged 62 games, 13 starts, and played 19 minutes per game, which all appear to be legit role player numbers. Those are rotational statistics for a typical role player. However, when you dive deeper into Wara's season, it becomes clear those numbers are really inflated by logging a ton of minutes. In a lot of games, the Bucks simply punted. Wara logged 40 minutes in five different games last season for the Bucks. Three with none of Milwaukee's big three active, not counting the eight seconds Drew Holiday played in game 82 to get his game's played incentive, one with Drew actually playing against New Orleans, and one with Drew and Chris Middleton playing against the Raptors. On the flip side of those big minutes games, Wara didn't play at all at 18 games where he was not marked as inactive per basketball reference and logged another 14 games where he played less than 10 minutes total, many four or five or less. Milwaukee's chaotic season affected every buck in some sense, and with Jordan Wara, it's clear that his opportunities expanded and shrank widely due to circumstances really outside of his control. The bad news is, despite opportunities to get real run, Wara did not solidify himself enough to play by the end of the season and in the playoffs when the Bucks were healthy. When Brooke Lopez returned to action, moving Giannis and Bobby Portis to play more forward minutes instead of having to fill in at center for so many minutes per game, Wara really only played when other Bucks sat out. He was either barely in the rotation, not playing at all when the Bucks were mostly healthy, or if a Giannis was out, you know, a Brooke Lopez sat out, if all the starters sat out, then Wara got a lot of run. So Milwaukee retained all of the free agents who played ahead of Wara already, plus added in Marjan Bochamp and Joe Ingles, who would likely also both slot in ahead of him too. Although Bochamp is a rookie and Ingles won't be healthy to start the season. But even with those caveats, it would seem pretty clear that the 23-year-old wing player Wara shouldn't expect much playing time if he re-signs with Milwaukee, given that he didn't have much when they were healthy last year and the team has more wings now. Maybe that's why he hasn't re-signed in Milwaukee. The ball has been in Wara's court, so to speak, for several weeks now. Milwaukee tendered him a qualifying offer worth slightly more than $2 million on June 29th, according to the Athletics' Eric Name. For many young players, the QO, qualifying offer, is nothing more than a procedural step ahead of re-signing with their current team. As any team wanting to get first dibs at re-signing their own player in restricted free agency, if they, the player qualifies for RFA, 
needs to first offer a QO. It's one step toward restricted free agency. The qualifying offer was introduced to the NBA CBA as basically a one-year deal that functions as an escape valve for a young player dissatisfied with their current team to get out sooner rather than having to re-up on a long second contract. For players drafted in the first round or who hit certain starter criteria, the qualifying offer can be much higher than Wara's. Colin Sexton, for example, may well end up signing his $7.2 million qualifying offer to hit unrestricted free agency next season if the Cavs don't offer him a contract he finds suitable. Wara's situation seems less contentious, especially given John Horst's recent comments to Eric Name about Wara's continued restricted free agency. We have a great relationship with Jordan. Jordan is with us every day. He's working. He's committed to being better. He's having a great offseason. I think he would tell you he's having the best offseason he's ever had. It is worth mentioning, that's almost certainly true. Wara had two short, compressed offseasons before this, so this should be a great offseason for him. Horst then goes on to mention several options for Wara, including sign-in trades, which is the first one that Horst brought up, eye emojis in his answer, offers, matches, and accepting qualifying offer. Let's go through all of those options to figure out what could happen with Wara before the start of next season. So first up is sign-and-trade. Going into this offseason, and really until I read that John Horst said this, I did not factor a sign-and-trade into the realistic outcomes of Jordan Wara's free agency. That's not because the Bucks can't do it, while Milwaukee cannot receive a player via sign-and-trade because of the hard cap it would trigger which Milwaukee has no realistic path to ducking under, it can send one out no problem. With 14 roster spots filled, the Bucks would likely be taking back just one player or none at all, but it is worth noting Milwaukee could legally have more than 15 players under contract, not counting the two ways, since the roster is bigger during the offseason before it shrinks back at the start of the next regular season. But still, given the tax bill implications... I would guess Milwaukee is not taking back multiple players in a war of sign-and-trade. The issue that I saw with a sign-and-trade is more with the other team in question who would have to value Wara highly enough to send something back to Milwaukee for him, newly signed to a contract lasting at least three seasons, although worth noting only the first season has to be fully guaranteed. Said team also couldn't be over the apron or have already used their taxpayer MLE the same exception the Bucks used to sign Joe Ingles, if they sign and trade for Wara, which rules out a significant number of teams from the jump. There are a lot of teams deep in the tax or that have used taxpayer MLE this year. Fortunately, given his age and relatively unproven nature as a prospect, this mostly rules out playoff teams who would be in a similar position to the Bucks and likely not have minutes to develop Jordan Wara anyway. Teams like the Indiana Pacers, San Antonio Spurs, and Detroit Pistons have cap space, and could add Wara via sign-and-trade with no worries of the hard cap, as could a handful of other teams well below the hard cap line, also known as the salary, ta- salary cap apron, or the luxury tax apron, including the Grizzlies, Knicks, Rockets, Magic, and Jazz, at least. That latter group of teams would all have to send salary back to the Bucks or absorb Wara into an exception, though, since they are all over the cap. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. The next option is offer and match. So teams, especially Indiana and San Antonio, who still have cap space plus a roster spot open, could just sign war to an offer sheet. This may be less desirable than a sign-and-trade for teams who want Wara as they run the risk of not getting the player due to their original team matching, just as the Pacers went through, albeit on a much larger scale, with DeAndre Ayton. Wara's first-year salary in any offer sheet is limited by the Gilbert Arena's provision to the non-taxpayer mid-level exception in year one, since the Bucks have his early bird rights. This should not matter in this case, though, as Wara likely wasn't commanding eight figures annually anyway, and the non-taxpayer mid-level, I think, is around $10 million in year one. That provision does mean, though, that the Milwaukee should be able to match any offer sheet war assigns if the Bucks care to. Early bird rights allow you to sign a player to a deal up to 105% of the average annual salary in year one, a number which the Bucks and Bucks fans should be familiar with, as they just use that same part of the exception to sign Bobby Portis, to the biggest possible deal starting with that figure. So theoretically, that would be the max offer sheet Jordan Wara could sign for as well, although no one really expecting him, I think, to get three or four years and 30-some to 40-some million dollars at this point. It seems unlikely Wara would approach that number in free agency, given both the market for such an unproven player and the harsh reality that most of the league's spending power has dried up at this point. Outside of the three cap space teams named earlier, Wara is limited to any biannual or non-taxpayer mid-level exceptions that are still out there or simply taking veteran minimum if he is signing an offer sheet. The Bucks may seriously consider matching an offer sheet that is exceptionally team-friendly, multiple years, low salary, not fully guaranteed. After all, they extended the qualifying offer for a reason, right? That's kind of the whole point in doing that is having that option. So the last one we'll walk through here, at least realistic option, is accepting the qualifying offer. This has been there on the table for Wara for nearly a month now, and it will be there for the rest of the offseason if he wants it to be. So teams can pull qualifying offers, but the Bucks had until July 13th to do so, 
without Wara's consent, and they didn't before that date. So now if he feels he has no better options, Jordan Wara can sign up to be a buck for next season, make a little bit more than $2 million, and then be a free agent after the year is over. The Bucks cannot take that option away from him without his consent anymore. So Horst was not just speaking platitudes when he mentioned having a good relationship with Wara and his agent in his chat with Eric Name, as extending the qualifying offer past the date of being able to unilaterally pull it gives Wara a pretty nice security blanket he wouldn't have had otherwise if he got this far into free agency without signing a deal. It's not an entirely generous move by the Bucks, of course, who stand to either keep Wara, a talented young player, or get something back if another team is interested in adding him via sign-and-trade, but afraid of Milwaukee matching their offer sheet. But whether it's wanting something in return or wanting Wara, it is clear the Bucks see real value in him this offseason, enough to risk a substantial increase to the luxury tax bill for the season if he isn't traded before the season ends. Speaking of that possibility of a trade, if Wara does sign the qualifying offer, he would have an implicit no-trade clause for the season, a CBA quirk present for players on a one-year deal whose teams would stand to have bird rights on the player after the season. Accepting any trade would be damaging to Wara's earning power in this specific situation, as he would effectively lose his bird rights and need to be signed to a cap exception or via cap space the next time he enters free agency. Wara would also have an implicit no-trade clause for one year after if the Bucks match an offer sheet, and he could not be traded for one year to the team that signed him to the offer sheet. So if the Pacers signed Wara to a small, reasonable deal, and the Bucks matched, Milwaukee could not send him to Indiana for one year. Wara can also negotiate a, a separate contract with the Bucks in lieu of signing the qualifying offer, if he wanted more salary or years than the one-year $2 million QO. That obviously requires negotiating and is not a one-way street like simply signing the QO would be. It is also technically an option for Wara to not sign the qualifying offer through next season and just remain in free agency the whole time, but frankly, that's not something we have seen any player do in quite a while. Don't think it's really worth considering as a serious possibility at this point. So now, time for prediction 2.0. To me, it seems likely that Wara and the Bucks feel there's at least one suitor out there who's interested enough to either sign him to an offer sheet or offer Milwaukee a sign-and-trade proposal, unless the two sides are still negotiating terms of a, a new deal. But given the Bucks just re-signed Wes Matthews and Javon Carter to essentially vet minimum deals, it seems doubtful Milwaukee would be open to signing Wara to much more than his current qualifying offer. So I'm going to guess there's a mystery team out there. Otherwise, the Bucks could have just pulled the QO before the date and offered him vet min and I guess would have just lived with if he left. So either Milwaukee wants him more than that or they want, you know, something in return more than what would be nothing, essentially, if he just walks. So at the end of the day, Jordan Wara might essentially be with the rest of us NBA fans for now, waiting and watching to see what happens with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Donovan Mitchell. Whether it's a team keeping their powder dry to get involved in trades, including those stars, either getting them or as the third team's, or Utah or Brooklyn looking to take a flyer on a young player as they rebuild and retool after trading away those stars, Wara's fate may be on hold until those biggest chess pieces make their moves. My specific guess? The Utah Jazz trade a second-round pick to Milwaukee to absorb Jordan Wara into one of their trade exceptions 
after executing a Donovan Mitchell trade that leaves them needing scoring as they tank for Victor Wembenyama. I, I could see Utah wanting a flyer to develop this scorer, probably not worrying too much about Jordan Wara making them too good to get a high draft pick, and you know having touches to go around after moving Mitchell and Rudy Gobert earlier in the offseason, Patrick Beverly probably on his way out. So I could certainly see Jordan Wara ending up there. And I think it'd be good for him to get a real opportunity to play, refine his skills on the NBA level, show what he can do. As much as I'd love to see Wara remain a buck, unless something has seriously changed with how Milwaukee prioritizes him in the rotation, I'm not sure it really makes that much sense. So rooting for the best outcome for this young player who seems like a great guy and for the Bucks, of course, but really hoping something happens that's good for Jordan Wara's career in these next few months before the season starts. So that's it. That's all I've got on Jordan Wara. Hopefully we get a good news of some positive revolution for all sides soon, a resolution for all sides soon. I hope you enjoyed this, this different kind of podcast, just the audio version of my Substack article. I am planning to write more on the GSPN Substack. So A, make sure you're subscribed for the free and B, let me know how you like this, either on Twitter at Ty Windish at Eurostep Podcast or uh, on, on the comments on the Substack, in the Discord. If you're not in there, you can find the Discord form link at gspn.info as well. Um, but make sure you know, you're know you weighing in. You're letting us know what content you like, what you don't, what you want to see. Uh, we really appreciate it. So thank you so much for listening slash reading. As always, uh, be sure to leave a rating and review Follow on YouTube or subscribe on YouTube. Follow on all the platforms you can find at gspn.info. This is usually Rohan's thing. You can tell I'm not as good at it. But thank you again, Pod Random, and we will talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.